0: So the ACLU is also another organization that is really looking into these crimes, but they are doing it in their own way. Just like Nils Melzer. he cannot come out and publicly say everything he's doing because this requires a lot of underground investigation. And um, we're um, certain that he's continuing his work on this. Um, but the ACLU has consistently over the last 10 years been putting out reports here and there that indicate to us that they are also working on uncovering um, these crimes are investigating them.
1: So, welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today, we have Connor, uh, Constance, Hannah, Rose, uh, the founder of Advoc- Advocacy for Humanity. Wow, there's a lot of words that I screwed up there um welcome to the show
0: thank you josh it's um it's an honor to be here actually
1: well yeah you were i was put in touch with you after um i did an episode on cyber torture and uh yeah so so we're here to talk a little bit about that but um why don't you start with um advocacy for humanity when did you find that and and sort of what what led you to to finding this
0: okay well first of all i'll make a slight correction, it's advocacy for humankind, although that makes it more complicated. (laughs) But that's okay, no problem. Um, And um, uh, I founded it in 2018. And I founded it because uh, my, um, well, first of all came a support group. So um, as you probably know, from your exploration into cyber torture, there are people all over the world, Uh, being targeted for um, what I would like to call organized harassment, cyber torture, as you put it. Um, And what it appears to be is a set of protocols, which we can get into later, but there's um, many levels of issues with these crimes. One is um, law enforcement will not respond or investigate, which is a huge problem. Another problem is uh, people don't generally believe people when they're trying to explain whether it's to loved ones, to law enforcement, to their boss, coworkers, etc. cetera. Um, and there's um, other issues too. But before Advocacy for Humankind, I started a support group for uh, victims of these crimes in the Bay Area, I'm here in San Francisco area. And we, started out pretty small, but at this point, we have over 150 members um, on our mailing list. And we do have regular meetings, whether it's by conference call or by um, uh, meeting in person. Our last meeting was in person. So we started doing a little bit of uh, activism work through the support group. Uh, The first thing we did was we went to, uh, some of our local politicians will have, they'll go to a coffee shop and they'll uh, answer people's questions. So we went and one of our members stood up and made a statement and the politician was uh, a local senator and he was very interested in what we had to say. So he invited us to his office and we spoke not directly to him, but to his district supervisor, which is typical. And we found um, that we were listened to and we found out that uh, we could present the problem in a way that we would believe and um, that made uh, the politicians and their employees want to take some kind of action. So that's how it started. Um, uh, And we've uh, been visiting politicians. Uh, We've been visiting district attorneys. We have been um, uh, making presentations to organizations like the ACLU um, and uh, the, the California Association of District Attorneys, the California Police uh, Association. Um, and we have found a way to present the problem in a way that we're not only believed, but that causes a great concern with law enforcement. So. Um, The problem in the past, there's been people reporting these crimes for decades. I would say probably since um, the earliest person I know was Eleanor White, who is uh, a whistleblower engineer in Canada. Um, I think she started um, trying to do activism around these uh, crimes in the 1980s. Um, But it's, uh, for the most part, for people, it's been like banging their head against the brick wall. But now we do have... We do have believability now. There's more news stories coming out all the time. Um and then as you know, uh Niels Meltzer, um, the UN special reporter um or rapporteur, I think how they call it, on um as something like Degrading Human Torture or something like that. It's a long <laughs> it's a long title he has there. Yeah. Uh but he has come out and he requested submissions. Um, so that is a huge step. We also found, uh, we have also found that the ACLU is working on these crimes in the background. Um, but this is a major, I mean, these are major crimes and it's huge. And if you can imagine the um, mafia uh, from, uh, let's say, the Godfather time, add technology onto that and add a worldwide network, that's basically what you've got. And it's, and it's Um, it's brutal yeah Mm -hmm. people are just being uh, absolutely decimated by these crimes
1: yeah yeah I mean I think for me um, one of the the stunning things about it was when I first started looking into it um, when James had first got in touch with me and it was like kind of stunning to see the number of victims like it it it, because because I'd never even heard the term before and and the, the 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 example of julian assange is obviously a famous one but like it goes way beyond what's what's happened to him it's the it's it's, it's it's there's a stunning number of of, of victims i mean um what, susie I think I keep thinking Quattro. There's a fantastic journalist who's done um a lot of work. And I will I will link her stuff in the description below. She's done a lot of interviews with victims. And just the sheer number that she was able to find that would sit and talk to her on, on her podcast were it was it was stunning. But you talked about how mm-hmm. how you've been presenting it in a way that 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 you know gets gets the attention of of politicians and makes them like sit up and listen. Like well, how, how have you been going about that? And what, what way do you approach that?
0: Yeah. So we were really fortunate because one of the people who joined our support group, uh, a guy named Bob, brilliant guy. He was in marketing for, uh, with Amazon and Twitter. So um, obviously it has a lot of marketing expertise, but beyond that, he's just a brilliant guy. So we um, got together, he and I, and a couple of other people, and we really knocked out, you know, what are the, what are the basic uh, precepts here? What what is actually happening here? What do, what does everybody report? And we found all the common things. And we realized that there are a couple of terms that have really been stigmatized, um, just because people are so traumatized that they will, you know, one person will go to a politician or they'll go to somebody in the UN. And they're so traumatized that they don't know how to present it. And so they come off as, sounding crazy. And the terminologies that those people have been using is gang stalking, targeted individuals, um, that those those two particular words are extremely stigmatized now to the point where over here in the US, if you go to law enforcement, and you say you're a targeted individual, and you are experiencing gang stalking, um, they will more than likely put you on what we call a 5150 psychiatric 72 hour hold in a mental facility. So we realized that we had to avoid certain terminology, but we also boiled it down and we realized this is a set of protocols, Um, no matter what you want to call the umbrella term. And we started out calling it covert harassment and we've learned since that that doesn't work, but um, uh, it's a set of protocols. Basically um, the set of protocols is deep, deep character assassination. And I mean, when I say deep character assassination, these people are not messing around they profile you long before you know what's going on, and they systematically destroy um, any relationships and and the social circles that they they can. Uh, and that's before you know what's going on. All you know that is going on is, oh my God, why are people <laughs> treating me like I have bad breath? You know. Um, and you lose job, people lose jobs, etc. cetera. Um, and then you realize, then they kind of slowly let you know that you're under surveillance. And that's also deep surveillance too. Um, that is in the home and out of the home. And they have different ways of letting you know that you're under surveillance, but you eventually get it. Um, then there's um, the hacking of computers and devices. Um, there's nobody I know that doesn't have um, their smartphone, their iPad, their tablet, their laptop, and their desktop computer, it's all half. Um, the only way I've been able to kind of maintain any kind of privacy is I use an Ethernet cable with my uh, laptop, but my iPad is all half. <laughs> they immediately know what I'm doing on there. Um, let's see. Um, what are the other protocols? Okay, then they recruit um, as many people as they can into participating in this. So whatever neighborhood you live in, it doesn't matter. You can move. I moved across the country. You can move across the country. It's going to follow you. And they will set set it up. And I think that they do this through several organizations, including neighborhood watch um, uh, um, organizations, um, that sort of thing. So um, there's other protocols. I, could, I should probably pull up my presentation and look. But basically, this is a set of protocols. And when you break it down and present it like that. There's no reason for people not to believe you. Oh, uh, one of the other protocols, of course, is the directed energy weapons, which um, I'm fortunate I do not experience that, but many, many people, most of the people in our support group um, are victimized by directed energy microwave weapons. So um, we uh, always uh, point back to credible news stories. And we were really thrilled when Ronan Farrell came out with his expose on Harvey Weinstein, because these are the protocols that Harvey Weinstein was using to victimize um, his his Me Too um, survivors. Um, So Harvey Weinstein, then Leah Rimini has come out with her expose on the Church of Scientology. That whole first season of that um, docu-series is uh, a perfect Examples of um what we call now cyber torture or organized harassment i'm using those terms because that's the terminology that we're finding in the press and there's more and more um there's more and more stories coming out all the time and so we kind of pick up whatever terminology they're using um so we always point back to news stories excuse me i don't know what's going on here oh Theory thinks I'm talking to her <laughs> um so uh yeah, so anyways um I'll stop there and let you uh interject here
1: yeah is there is there like um from uh, also if for anyone listening um I would recommend that you listen to the 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 episode that I was talking about that i I'll link it in the description and um any other stuff we talk about like direct energy weapons I will also link um news stories in the in the description just if anyone thinks we're t- we're being crazy um like w- one of the things that that often strikes me here, um, and perhaps you can answer this is like is there um is there a common thread of 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 like in in terms of who who is victimized by this is there like a is there something that you've noticed even just in your victim group, like anecdotally that that like ties all these people together um
0: there doesn't seem to be. Um, So first of all, I will say that we do believe it's different organizations. We do believe there is some, I'm not going to say government involvement, but government subcontractors to be sure. And I can point out why I believe that later. But um, obviously organizations like the Church of Scientology, reportedly the Mormon Church uses these protocols when people, you know, um, offend them. Wealthy individuals like Donald Trump and, um, Harvey Weinstein. Um, and then, you know, you've got motorcycle gangs and people like that. So there's, um, a lot of vengeful intent. There's vengeful intent. We've seen vengeful intent. Um, we've seen that people just moved into the wrong apartment building and the apartment building was pretty much taken over by people who participate and get paid for, um, participating in these crimes. Um, you met the wrong person. That's what happened to me. I just met the wrong person. Um, So uh, just as surely as there's different organizations using these protocols, um, there's different reasons. Uh, And most people, quite honestly, have no idea. They have no idea. Um, For someone like me, there was a trigger incident um but that's not usually the case and particularly with the microwave weapons i think um i think there's just people out there who have access to them who enjoy hurting other people and they're just taking people out you know um so. are
1: you um so why why you mentioned there that you think it's it's some government uh subcontractors maybe involved like what what makes you believe that
0: well, first of all, um, we know uh, from patents that we found that um, at least the US government and probably other governments as well are creating these, these microwave weapons. Mm-hmm. We also know that um, the US uh, government, uh, particularly the FBI, the intelligence agencies, um, they created uh, several programs um, most notably, the Cell program from the 1970s, which was banned, um, whereby they were um, uh, stalking, uh, I guess, following, um, following tracking, um, bugging, uh, Martin Luther King is a great example of this, um, setting him up uh, for failure et cetera, so um, we know that those programs have existed in the past. We don't have any reason to believe that they haven't continued in some way, shape, or form, but we do believe that since that church committee, um, they have um, transferred it on to probably the whole military industrial complex. Now, there's two points I wanna make about that. One is um, uh, that um, we have found online, um, that there are agents that are called surveillance role players, which is very apt because typically everybody in this program gets stalked and harassed by strangers. Um, and if you look, those people all, you look on LinkedIn, there's pages and pages and pages of these people, surveillance role players. It defines, uh, you find out where they work, you go to the web page. it defines what their job is, and it's like, bingo, there it is. So you've got um, a whole system in place. I mean, in, 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 I mean, by this time, I would say it's a major growth industry because you wouldn't believe how many more people are contacting us all of the time. So, I mean, this is just run rampant. If people are getting paid, there's money changing hands. Um, it's a nonstop program, in case your listeners don't know. Um, it goes uh, 24-7, 365 for the victims. Uh, it can go years. People never know if or when it's going to stop. So at this point, Josh, I think I've forgotten the original question. <laughs> there were two things I was going to say. I addressed one of them. Uh, oh, you said why Why government involvement, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see, there is a second reason. Why do I think uh, there's government involvement? Oh, um, yes, because we have a number of whistleblowers. So most notably, um, there's William Denny, who came out of the NSA, um, he actually created the software that um, allows uh, the NSA to view all of the information on all devices everywhere, all the time. And um, Netflix made a documentary about him called The Good American, so if people want to find out more about William Benny, they can. They can watch that documentary. It's very well done. so there's William Benny, there's Thomas Drake who is in his ilk. Um, there's a lady, Karen Stewart, who uh was a whistleblower for the NSA. Um, also kind of notably, people don't usually bring this up, but there was a Pulitzer Prize winning novelist, um, Gloria Naylor. She wrote um The Women of Brewster Street, which was made into a movie. That's how people would mostly know her. Um, she became victimized. She wrote a book called 1996. It's a very small book, but it very well details how these crimes unfold on an individual. And basically what happened to her is she offended a neighbor whose brother was in the NSA. Um, There are other FBI whistleblowers, law enforcement whistleblowers. So, you know, we know that there's rogue agents from the intelligence agencies participating in this, um, at least, um, if not the organizations themselves. um, And uh, from the different whistleblowers, we hear a number of different stories. So without getting into too much detail, that's the other reason we do know that there is some government involvement.
1: So why do you think it's not like a better known term because like, I like to consider myself at least in my own head to be like fairly up to date on, on even like weird things like this um, that happen in the world, like little obscure things or like, um, I, I, I like to consider myself well informed and I had never heard the term until, until last year. Why do you think it is that it's sort of not very well known?
0: And you're talking about the term cyber torture.
1: Yeah, cyber torture or just just really any any of the terms that you kind of listed or used. Um I just focus on that one specifically because that's um yeah, that's I I that's one of the terms that Nils Meltzer uses. But um like organized harassment or or any any of the terms that you used there. I, I had really like just I'd never heard them until until last year. Even even in even in relation to the case of Julian Assange, I'd never heard It I'd say I'd seen posts about him being like being tortured, essentially, um, but like it was never linked to those terms.
0: Right. Um, So the term cyber torture, I'll address first, um, because that's easy. Um, None of us were actually calling it cyber torture until Nils Meltzer came out with his report. And because he came out with his report and he did use that terminology, which does seem to kind of cover everything. Well, um, you know, there's the one-on-one involvement with the stalkers that you go through that doesn't, that's not cyber at all. That's happening in real time in people's lives. But it is a good term because so much of it um, starts online and lives online um, and depends on the technology. So I think that's why he came up with that term because it, it kind of broadly covers everything. But none of us were using that term. Nobody that I knew was using that term. But since he has come out um, with that term, um, we are happy to embrace that terminology. Uh, So that's why that term. In terms of organized stalking, the other terminologies are gang stalking, organized stalking, covert harassment, organized harassment. Um, I'm not sure. I do know that occasionally about every two or three years, um, a magazine will come out and totally debunk, um, that this is existing and say that everybody's paranoid, delusional and that there's this mass paranoid delusion going on. And, um, if you know anything about the CIA, I'm not saying the CIA is behind that, but you know, it is a tactic <laughs> put it that way, it is a tactic to keep, um, to suppress. Um, the stories to suppress people's testimonies, um, to debunk that this is going on but I will say that there was um, uh, a psychologist who uh, was widely featured in one of those articles was changed his tune and he came out with a report I can't remember the guy's name unfortunately but he came out with a report about six months ago saying that he'd been contacted by so many people that he now realizes that he was wrong in saying that this was paranoid delusion. Mm. So you know, I, I, I think there's that. Um, it's really hard to say. I know that I talk to people about it. Um, we give out brochures, we hand out flyers, and you're right, very few people have heard of it. So I, um, I don't know. But I do know that right now it is becoming better known. Um, it used to be that I never met anybody who had heard of it and now um, my sister knows another person undergoing this um, the temple that I attend probably three or four people have friends or relatives that are undergoing uh, disorganized harassment so it's coming to the surface slowly but surely and of course for us it can't come to the surface fast enough just because I mean the suffering is unbelievable I mean the calls I take you just can't imagine yeah
1: yeah no i it's 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 got to make you feel like you're just losing your mind i guess it's uh i can't i honestly can't imagine what it what it must be like like i uh yeah it's it's it's, it's um, a really shocking phenomenon that i don't think has a i don't think there's really like an equivalent in in history i mean um I've spoken to people talking about that it's perhaps similar to MK Ultra in that it was just like performed on random citizens, um, but but even even that like it's it's it it wasn't wasn't of the scale, at least from what I can tell of what this is. Um, but so you you compiled a rep- uh, a report uh, for uh, Nils Meltzer in the UN. You 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 put together some work for them. What was um, what was in that, and and um, yeah, um, was there anything new that you discovered whilst you were compiling it, or was that more like a, a formality for you at that point, just to sort of like bring everything together?
0: Yeah, um, the latter for sure, because we had been, at that point, we had been presenting to so many politicians, district attorneys, et cetera, as I mentioned, and we were we were actually right before COVID starting to form a coalition with other organizations like Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, people like that. Um, COVID has kind of slowed us down. But um, yeah, so we had the material. We just pulled it together in a particular way according to what he asked for. And we were really thrilled um, that our organization begins with an A because we're on the top of his list online. <laughs> we were really happy about that. <laughs>
1: Just got, only got what aardvarks and abracadabra above you
0: yeah i think you're right <laughs> uh aardvarks for sure we would be ahead of us <laughs> but i've been blessed um because up here in the bay area we have so many talented people so um one of the people that i work with byron he uh does statistical analysis so even though it's really hard to gather statistics on these crimes we gathered what we could um, and, we, and he pulled together a really great report. And by the way, all of this can be downloaded from the UN website. And if you don't have the uh, link, they are on our website at advocacyforhumankind.com. <laughs> huge, huge name. Um, but yeah, so we had, um, we had asked because we were, um, we had submitted a bill proposal to one of our local senators we had collected testimonies from people. We wanted it just to be from California, but it ended up being from all across the United States. We got tons of responses, um, but we only edited and compiled 90 because those were the ones from California. So we submitted those ones, redacted for the names uh, the names and the addresses and all of that, because um, you know we only had permission to really submit them to the senators so we didn't want to go through and request so we redacted the names and everything. Um, and then we have a really good description of the crime. Uh, and then we have uh, Byron's statistical analysis. And then we also added a few reports from the ACLU. Um, I'm gonna mention one of those reports right now in case uh, people are interested. Um, there is a report by the ACLU called uh, Trapped in a Black Box. If you put that into your Google, it will come up. You can download the PDF. This is about watch lists in the United States, and um, it's all very interesting to read. Um, how many people are being put on watch lists? And this is this goes back to government involvement again. But there are uh, pages 30 to 33 talk about uh, hidden watch lists, which is basically um, a person can be. Quit on a watch list, it doesn't have to be any criteria whatsoever, because these lists are kind of clandestine, and only the people who apparently are running those programs know. Um, so basically, um, you know, <laughs> you could be put on for no reason at all. There's no criteria no accountability. So the ACLU is also another organization that is really looking into these crimes, but they are doing it in their own way, just like Nils Meltzer He cannot come out and publicly say everything he's doing because this requires a lot of underground investigation. And um, we're um, certain that he's continuing his work on this. Um, but the ACLU has consistently over the last 10 years been putting out reports here and there that indicate to us that they are also working on uncovering um these crimes are investigating them.
1: do you think um the u n involvement now will will kind of shed a little more light on the on the issue?
0: um I certainly hope so. I know that the story came out in a few news in a few major newspapers. I believe The Guardian was one. um I know it came out um like on Politico here um, but it didn't get you know it's not in my apple news feed. <laughs> let me put it that way. Um I think I think they're going to have to really uncover something big before it becomes a major news story and I think that's really what it's going to take.
1: Mm. I mean what, what what sort of level are you talking that like they discover that they can really like start I don't know prosecuting people in networks that are are taking part in this or like rogue government agents or like mm-hmm. is that, yeah that's is that okay so I mean you'd like to think that that's what they would be pursuing because um when they're taking it seriously then then that's that's where you would be looking. you would be trying to get big big things like that happen you know that's that that is probably the only way to bring, to bring um to bring to yeah to shed light on the fact that this is happening um is there is it have you find that it's like concentrated in certain countries or, or is it fairly spread out across the world?
0: Well, we know that it's worldwide because we um, even have people in our support group who have traveled the world and it's followed them everywhere. So, I mean, I think unless you're living with cannibals in New Guinea, you might be able to get away from it there, but um, it, uh, it is definitely worldwide. Um, I do know that um, Canada and the U.S. seem to be the worst places um, to be. Um I'm trying to think if I've heard. I don't think, I, I think Europe is also pretty bad. I'm just trying to recall uh, different things people have told me. But there's organizations and support groups all over the world. So you have to know that if somebody is taking, well, I, I'm sorry, Japan. I actually have a a neighbor from Japan and I was giving her a brochure and she told me that it's just rampant there, it's not a secret, everybody knows about it, so um, that's one country where it's extremely concentrated and um, the public knows.
1: The public, like like the the general opinion is that the, the public are aware that this is happening.
0: Yes, the general public is aware that this is happening yeah
1: and is there like i don 't know movements there, like yes. things like you have is there have they got further in trying to combat it, given that like the population is more aware or
0: yes um absolutely now i can't speak to great extent about this, but I do know that they do a lot of activism um we've um been having an uh an international Um, TI Day I hate using that terminology Um, uh, every year on August 29th and Japan typically has one of the biggest showings Um, they have like local mayors and politicians showing up to their marches and their activism events so yes um, they're very very active in fact we kind of um, are interested in maybe connecting with somebody over there and finding out you know exactly everything that they're doing Mm.
1: yeah so what is the reaction that you get like when you go in to present to, to politicians like well, is there a is there like a general response that they all seem to give or, or or i don't know perhaps certain ones are more standout than others but like what's what's the reaction like
0: yeah so we kind of created this way of going about this um as i mentioned a lot of our local politicians they do have um they do have events where they'll have a town hall meeting or whatever so we kind of created this system of creating a one minute elevator pitch going up to them talking to them about it and um, asking for a meeting so that's kind of what we use and typically every time i talk to any of them they're like, what i haven't heard about this um and of course you know there's people in line behind you waiting to talk to them so you have to keep it to one minute so you can't give them the whole ball of wax but we usually do get the meeting um, we get in the door, we usually talking to district supervisors, um, we don't, uh, we don't ever run into, um, people not believing us. but there are points that they've told us, you know, you should change this or, or, you know, that's beyond our, our believability right there. Um, and if you're familiar with the concept, the overseen window, it's basically in politics, um that the politician has to stay within that window of believability when he's addressing his constituents um going out of that window um will kind of do harm to them but um so anyway we've found a way to stay within that over window but um uh they typically believe us some people want to help some people don't you know um some people have um said you know well that's all good and fine but that's not of interest that's that's not anything near the platform that this politician is is working on. Um, We have one um, federal Senate um, uh, Congressperson, Jackie Speier. Um, Her office became very, very interested in the directed energy weapons. So um, the the person, Bob, who I told you about, he's been working with them on that. And then um, I actually have had several, um, uh, I had one senator and a couple of people that we presented to who said, oh, you know, we never had a name to put on this, but this has been happening to somebody I know. And the senator himself said he knew what it was like because he'd been mobbed. You know, the gang stalking um, or the uh, organized stalking is kind of like flash mobbing. Do you remember those videos where everybody would show up and sing a song? It's kind of like that, but everybody shows up and they're picking on you, yeah. you know. So, yeah, oh, very pleasant. Uh, I must say, he, he had an understanding, uh, he, he got it, and um, his platform was mostly mental health. I think if he'd have been staying in office for longer, he would have, um, you know, we did submit a bill proposal. I think he might have put it in his packet eventually, but it was this last year in office and you know they they want to leave their life. yeah yeah so we we've gotten positive response from everybody we were told because we we were calling it covert harassment at first you know we're trying to stay away from you know all of the stalking but um uh we got told by a major uh district attorney um in this state that we ought to use terminology <coughs> that people can relate to
1: Mm -hmm. Sorry, I tried to take Take a sip of water and try not to inhale it all. (laughs) Sorry, keep going.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Um, Yeah, so we, we were presenting to this one district attorney who happens to be pretty powerful in this state. And she said, you know, covert harassment, nobody knows what that is. Nobody's heard of it. You need to use terminology that people are familiar with. So then we started calling it coordinated stalking, which we've kind of stayed with. But we're finding that, um, so Niels Meltzer came out with the terminology cyber torture, and then um, there is, there have been um, some prosecutions recently, and the newspapers are calling it organized harassment. So um, actually, I do want to speak very briefly and say that there was a case in Canada where three ex-cops got convicted. There um, their, um uh, there is a case here in California, one of our support group members, we were lucky enough to get an attorney, um, who's targeted, uh, to be part of our group and he helped her, they got a conviction. Um, and so there's been a few popping up here and there.
1: Is there like an actual legal framework that like brings that all together when you go to court about it, or is it just that they're 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 harassing and stalking you and all of these like individual offenses all sort of rolled up into into one case.
0: Right, that's a really good question actually because um currently, you know, so we've been the reason we were visiting politicians is we wanted to get an organized stalking bill um on the table uh which didn't you know, it hasn't happened up to this time, but um there uh between california law and and federal law i mean it's all covered it's just that it's about um i think there's 10 state laws that are broken and i think there's um two or three federal laws so it it's kind of a combination so it would be a kind of thing that if i was going to prosecute um some of my perpetrators um we would be going in um and it would be um you know, you're accused of breaking law number A, law number B, law number C, law number D, which does happen in other cases, you know. Mm -hmm. So and then there's the RICO. I mean, RICO is a federal law that is all about organized um, crime. So um, there's a lot of um, uh, sections under the RICO law that apply.
1: I mean the the RICO law is that when you can if you can prove that they used like if the that you can prove that the money from people was all connected then you can charge them all with the same crime right there's the the dark night that's part that's in the dark night
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> hmm. yes that's that's uh, part of it but it has a lot of different sections it would be impossible for me
1: okay yeah but okay <laughs> but generally, generally it's, it about, it's about Prosecuting like a group of people for the same crimes okay
0: yes so- and your your mention of money money involvement is huge yes mm-hmm. in that in that law
1: so um, you said, you mentioned that, uh, you discovered, uh, that the ACLU were working on stuff sort of in the background or, uh, how, what was it that you discovered they were working on? Was it just sort of individual cases of stuff or was there something, were they sort of becoming aware of something more like a, a, a larger pattern emerging?
0: Yes. Um, uh, the larger pattern for sure. So, um, what we know here in the US, and I'm not sure if this is happening in other countries, I'm assuming it's happening in Canada, but the FBI have cells all over the country that they call fusion centers. So, you know, basically what that means is there's probably somebody, at least one or two in every, in every county where um, maybe there's a, an empty space in a strip mall that they're using and they are um, coordinating these, this kind of activity, we believe. So nobody actually knows what goes on in those fusion centers. And the ACLU um, underwent a huge investigation trying to find out what they're doing in those fusion centers. And they were just not able to um, make any headway at all. But they did put out a pretty big report about it. So that's another one that if people are interested, um, I would just uh, Google ACLU fusion centers report. I'll put the so they link came out in with that description
1: for anyone listening.
0: Oh, great! Thank you. Uh, they came out with that. They came out. They were the first ones to come out that we knew about to come out with a little one-page report about directed energy weapons, uh, which was huge because that was uh, that's been. I don't know why people don't believe that this can happen. I mean, the patents are right out there. anybody can look them up. And also, companies like Raytheon and Elrad have their uh, products right out on their web pages. But, um, the ACLU was the first one we know of that came out with a little one page report about these weapons. And of course, Niels Melzer and his report, um, really, uh, goes into that. Um, but then the ACLU came out with the trapped in the black box and that is full of really good information and, uh, tells us that they are really looking into this. Um, we did give a presentation to the ACLU, and the man who we presented to got really excited about it. Um, he said, I'm very, very interested in this. I want to follow through, et cetera. But what the ACLU does is if you have a bill proposal, they will lobby for you. So we did have a bill proposal, but then we didn't because the senator didn't pick it up for his packet. So we didn't end up continuing to work with the ACLU, but we have a relationship there, which is great.
1: So, the directed energy weapons what was the, what did the, what what did they exactly come out and say about it
0: um, they just came out with a, a one page it was like an infographic, and they basically um uh put a little bit of information about how these weapons work, and they basically even said in that little one page report um, that they didn't know uh you know that there was much more that, they, that probably wasn't in their little infographic in graphic one page mm-hmm. and i can send that to you by the way any of this stuff i can send to you we have range of information so i can send all of this to you if you're interested so that's what they came out with but the uh the real thing that cracked that started cracking this open was the cuba and china diplomats that were um harassed with sonic weapons and mm-hmm. probably microwave weapons and one of those people mark Lindsay, in particular he- been in touch with him. He's been out there really talking about this a lot. A couple of doctors have put out reports and now um we just saw a news story a couple of, I think last week where um they're actually wanting to give um uh law enforcement protective device uh protection against these kind of devices. So um it's now becoming pretty widely known that these weapons exist, but what people don't realize is that they're being used by rogue people who are probably getting the weapons from the, you know, the deep web or someplace like that.
1: I mean, I guess if people become aware of them, um, like uh, the patents are out there, the technology is out there. Like if you, you you, you, you can get someone to make them surely it shouldn't be that difficult. Like if you're really determined and you have the, enough money, then it, shouldn't, it should not be difficult uh, to, to, to source or, or have, have those sorts of things built. Um, so say someone's listening and they want to kind of find out more or, or maybe get involved and try and help out people who have been victims. Like, well, what can they do?
0: Well, they can go to our website, um, and they can contact um, me directly because if you um, go uh, to that website and go to the contact, it comes to me. Um, you know, we, we, what we try to do is, um, we, we try to connect people together, uh, to work together on this. And right now, the most important thing you've brought it up several times is the public awareness. So, um, uh, even just handing out our brochures, brochures, um, very well explain the crimes. They, um, uh, it's a nice looking brochure. People believe it when they read it. Um They can get uh that kind of materials uh, by contacting us um, uh they can get involved in public awareness and uh activ uh, activism events. and you can put them in touch with other organizations because there's other organizations that are actually um bigger than ours um that are working on this too so mm. um, yeah we can uh, you know any anything anybody you know uh, i don 't know if you're aware there was a billboard campaign. Of course, you probably wouldn't be aware because it was mostly in the United States, although it was also in Vancouver. Um, I actually designed the billboards because that's what my job actually was, was graphic design. Um, And we had them all across the United States, which was really great. So if somebody wants to contribute to putting up some billboards, uh, donating some money, um, that always helps. But the problem is so huge. you know, uh, for me, I like to be focused on how do we how do we uh, bring together people from organizations like the ACLU and Amnesty International and get people on board with really working on these crimes. Um, but we also get so many um, so many emails from people who are just suffering. So another thing that uh, we need a lot of is people to provide support for those people, because um, I can only handle so many of those calls. And even though we have a support group, only a handful of those people will take the calls. It's very hard to be on the other side of these calls. So um, if there's anybody out there who has, um, who has, um, I would say, therapy type training, who's willing to put a few hours a week into um, talking with somebody who's extremely traumatized, that could really help. But, yeah, if they contest me, I can, I can guide them in the right direction or give them work to do. I always tell people, oh, yes, I can give you plenty to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that seems like a really lovely note on which to to end things. Um, thanks very much, Constance. It has been uh, a pleasure. For, for people watching, all the stuff we've talked about, I will have links in the description below. You can check out um, all the yeah everything we talked about.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Josh. We really appreciate um, that you're willing to help us bring more public awareness. And um, I'll continue listening to your podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't already, and you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast and to our mailing list. And don't forget my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War is now available for pre-order on Amazon. You'll find the link in the description below. Until next time, thanks so much for listening.